Now, friends, I'm going to invite Kylan to come to the stage. We are in week four of, well, chapter four of our Ephesians sermon series. And I do want to encourage you that if you've missed any of the messages, please do go and catch up on the, the online platform, Online. That's basically where you find anything in church, all right? Um, Online. And please do go and catch up. If you missed chapter two, um, I am really sorry, but it wasn't recorded. Um, so you'll have to go and sit for at least a week or a month on chapter two and let the Holy... And this is actually cool, right? I mean, it's great to hear Kylan preach, but imagine sitting with God and God preaches to you. There's a little bit of a difference. So go and sit in chapter two um, and let the Holy Spirit preach to you whatever it was that Marielle shared. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that God will yeah, just come and meet with you in a powerful way. But um, if you've missed any of it, please do go and catch up. It's one of the most remarkable books in the New Testament where it speaks about the mystery of the gospel. So um, Colin's going to take us into chapter 4, which is, which is quite a cool chapter. Uh, so let's just stretch out our hands and let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for Kylan, Lord, and his life and his deep love for you, his deep affection for you. We thank you, Lord, that whatever he's preaching on tonight, Lord, is not just things that he quickly read in the Bible, but it's something that you've been working in his life and that most of us, Lord, can attest to um, just as him being part of the family. We thank you, Lord, for the word that you've prepared for us as a church tonight, and we pray that you'll bless it to our hearts, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Yaku. So just before we start, I think I'd rather say, let's all go home and let, the, let God speak to you. He can preach to you in your home, so we don't have to go through this sermon. I wish. <laughs> but before I start, I want to share a quick story, and you'll understand why I'm sharing this just now. But I had the privilege of serving in a mission trip to India like a few years ago. And in this mission trip, one of the biggest things that caught my attention was on a Sunday, when you go to church, it's not really a building like this. It's in a village that you go to, and they've put up these poles, and on the top of those poles, they've used saris to cover, almost like a shade net. So they've got their saris, they've got their poles, and they start church quite early. So around 8 o'clock, you'll start church. And the thing that got my attention was, after lunch, at 2 o'clock, church is still on. <laughs> at 3 o'clock, church is still on. And at 4 o'clock, church is still happening. But no one complains, like really no one ever complained. And the reason why I say that is because this scripture is very long, this chapter. So, <laughs> so if you're sitting here and it's still 8 o'clock, love the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> I'm being honest, so let's do that. So I'm going to get quite into it and then we can sh we'll, we'll take it from there. We are in chapter 4. So it's technically week 4. We took a break one week just to bry because, because we're Afrikaans people, you know. I'm also Afrikaans, you know. So we bried last week and it was an amazing time of fellowship. But week four, chapter four, we've been journeying through the sermon series on the book of Ephesians. And such an amazing book this has shown to be. It's a story of God, story of us, and story of the church. And it's been such a beautiful journey for me, even in preparing for this sermon preparing just chapter 4 and realizing that God's Word is, again, so powerful. So in going through this book over the past few weeks, we've also been, as a church, going through a Bible plan on version. So if you haven't been a part of that Bible plan, it's not too late. You can go onto highfelt.online right now 
and you can sign up to do the Bible plan with us. It means you probably have to read your Bible about five times a day for the next week to catch up, but it's okay. We're catching up. But in chapter 4, it starts off with this. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Yaku taught us something two weeks ago. If you see the word, therefore, we got to ask the question, what is it? No, man. Yaku, bad teaching. So if we see the word, therefore, we got to ask the question, what is it? Exactly. So we're going to take a bit of a look back. So in chapter 1, when we started this sermon series, Andre preached a powerful message about the revelation of God. We went through to chapter 2, and it was the revelation of the gospel. So chapter 1 and 2 speaks a lot about God and His promises for us. And then chapter 3, um, as Yaku would say, a revelation of the church. It speaks about how we as the church can achieve this that God has promised us. And he gives us practical steps on how we can get there. And Yaku spoke this powerful and, and amazing word to me where the scripture he actually touched on a lot was Ephesians 3.10. He says, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known through, to the rulers and authorities and the heavenly realms. Through the church, God's manifold wisdom will be made known. And we emphasized a lot on that, and we've emphasized that you are added to the body. Not just me, not just Jamie or Sinead or Adelia. It's all of us. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you are added to the body. And what does that mean? For me to be added into the body, it means for me to make Christ the head of my life and Christ the head of this church. And if I've made Christ the head of my life, that means that He is the one who dictates certain things in my life. He dictates how I spend my time. He chooses how I spend my finances. And He will choose how I handle my relationships. And we spoke so much about how one thing that stood out for me is that our purpose in life cannot be fulfilled outside of the body that God has not called us to be lone rangers, little pockets of people in different parts of the world doing our own thing. And even us as every nation, we form part of the bigger body of Christ. And our purpose is fulfilled there. And we speak about how there's so much importance in the body. And that's just a quick recap. And we get to chapter 4 again. But before we start reading again, let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for the amazing opportunity to share your word. And Father, today we, we just want to say that you are welcome in this place and you are welcome to work in our hearts. Father, I pray that we would open up our hearts today to, to everything that you want us, you are saying to us today, Father. That we will open up our hearts not just to hear your words, but to do what you're telling us to do, Father. To be convicted into action, to be obedient to what you're saying. And Father, I pray right now that as we go through your word, that you would be with us and you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read chapter one, uh, verse 1 again. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So can you say with me, worthy? Like you had breakfast this morning. Worthy. Can you say with me, called? 
So for us to walk worthy of the calling, we need to know what the calling is, right? We need to understand what is this calling that I need to walk worthy of. And when I look at Scripture and when I see what God is saying, the first thing I can say we are called into, we are called to be in Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Ephesians 2.13, in the sermon that Marielle had preached, it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you are once far off, have been brought near to the blood of Christ. And last week, Yaku showed us this amazing picture of this, oh, not last week, two weeks ago, of this jug, and I think we stole it from Marielle, right? She's, she's actually the inventor of this. I couldn't find the jug, so it's okay. <laughs> but in this jug, the jug represent, represented Jesus, and we were this little glass next to it, and how God doesn't call us to be next to him. He doesn't call us to be close to the jug or close to him. He doesn't call us to be there in a space where, okay, I need to be filled by God now, so let me get close to Him. He'll fill me up, and then I can go on on my journey. He calls us to be in Him. And the beautiful picture of that, I was sitting at the back there, and when that, when that glass went into the jug, it's almost as if that glass disappeared. And that for me was so profound, because we need to be so much in Christ that when anyone looks at us, when God looks at us, He sees Christ first. And that for me was so beautiful. So we are called to be in Christ. And because we are called to be in Christ, and we are called to be so immersed and submerged into Him, we will then want to do the things that Christ calls us to do. And another thing He's called us to do or to be a part of is to be a part of His body. So to be in Christ means to be a part of His body. What's the body? We are the body. He sang that song. We are your church. (laughs) And in Romans 12, 5, it says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are called to be in the body, functioning as part of the body. For what reason? So that God's manifold wisdom will be made known. And we get to this space now of knowing that This is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to be. But the scripture in Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, walk in a manner that's worthy. So now that we understand what we are called to do, what does it mean for me to walk worthy of this manner or worthy of this calling? I'm going to read Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 7 right now. So it's going to start from 1 again. It's going to be your instilled in your heart. You're going to know this scripture off by heart by the end of this. So it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord and one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And in the scripture, when I read it, the first thing that stands out for me, it says we need to be eager to maintain 
the unity, eager to maintain this unity. Why does God, or Paul even in this, uses God uses Paul to emphasize the oneness in the kingdom? He speaks about one body, one spirit, one hope, one God, one faith. And I think God wants to remind us of this because of the systems that's built around us. You see, this, the worldly system, if we could call it that, or society around us, we are told that we need to build this in, independent system. The things we tell ourselves that I just need to do this on my own. I just need to get through this. I need to work for this for myself to prove myself worthy. I need to prove myself to my family. But God doesn't desire that. When God speaks of a oneness, he, I really, Marielle mentioned it two weeks ago, and she said that it's not independence, it's interdependence that God calls us for. It's that the church needs to be linked so much that we are functioning together, that I myself cannot do this task without the help of a Jamie or a Richard or a Sean or everyone that's in this room, for us to understand that we are not lone rangers. We are called to be interdependent in each other. And God wants to break down that independent culture. He doesn't want us to be in that space. And he wants to build the space of us really trusting in each other, trusting in the strengths and weaknesses that we have, that when we work together, we are working for his kingdom. Thanks, Pam. I think I heard you. <laughs> and it made me wonder, why, why does the Bible speak so much about unity? Because if I look at the early church, that for me was the height of unity. In fact, I dream to be united in that way. They were so much so united. In the book of Acts, it says that if any one of them was in need amongst them, they sold, they sold their belongings just so that no one would, would go hungry or no one would be in lack or need. That means, let's make it practical, right? That means if I had a car and I could take the bus somewhere and my neighbor is starving, I would sell my car just so my neighbors would have food. Now that is a different level of unity if I think of it. Now, if this was happening at that time, and Paul knew this was happening, why does he speak so much about unity? And if you take a moment right now and look around you, just look around the room. Yaku, don't look at Riet. <laughs> don't look at Yaku as well. Look around you. Like, seriously, look. Look at the people that are in this room. Yes, many of you will say we are Afrikaans, so we are a lot alike. But we're not. The church in those days were not anything alike. If anything, many of them were enemies. Some of them didn't even want to be in the presence of each other at a time. And if you look around the room, yes, we can say I, we've come from the same culture, but we have different belief systems. We have different sets of morals sometimes, different views on what even politics is. There's so many things that can make us different. And I love this quote. Uh, it's from a book that Preston Sprinkle wrote. He said, God aggressively and delightfully values and uses thugs and misfits to build his glorious kingdom. Abrasive, thick-headed people like Peter, 
hot-headed racists like James and John, violent brawlers and extortionists like Simon and Matthew, and mentally deranged bag ladies like Mary Magdalene. He doesn't give them a bowl of soup and shuffle them out of the church. He gives them responsibility, the hallmark of genuine value, and trust in the God who uses the weak to shame the strong. I can leave it now and we go home, right? But if I look at this, and if I read the type of people these were, how did Jesus make this possible? How did Jesus take all of these people who were so completely different and get them to a space where they were willing to sell their belongings just so the next person doesn't lack? Now, if you had to take a moment and think of the person you dislike the most, let's not say hate, hate is a strong word, the person you dislike right now, maybe you don't like their demeanor, maybe you don't like the way they handle things, maybe they're not the best work colleague, do you really believe you can get to a space like this where you would be willing to give up, sacrifice things so this person doesn't have to be in need? And this took me to a space of, to be honest, as I preach this, don't think for a second that I have mastered it because I have not. And I asked myself the question, Jesus, what did you do? How did you do this? And I really believe the answer is found in the latter part of the scripture. Jesus worked in the inside of them. He did an inside-out change. He didn't expect them to change first from the outside. He worked inside of them. The inner being of them was being transformed. And let's read Ephesians 4, 17 to 34. 32, actually. There's no 34. My bad. But when I read this, it's a long portion of scripture. Please... Follow there. If you have your Bible, read in your Bible. Because this, I don't even think there's much I can say to add on to this. Because the scripture speaks for itself. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth in, in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to renew in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in, the true, in true righteousness and holiness. It goes on to say, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in, on your anger and give opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share. I lost my thing here. Something to share with anyone in need. Let no corruption talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, in good, that is, as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's a long portion of scripture. It's a whole lot of things that's being said here. But when I read the whole of Ephesians chapter 4, there's just this whole lot of characteristics that pop up in front of me. On the one side, I'm seeing humility, gentleness, patience, telling us to bear with love. And yet on the other side, we see this pride, this anger, this slander, this bitterness. There's no grace. There's no love. You see, on the one side, the humility, the patience, the gentleness, the bearing with love. Something written wrong there. <laughs> E-slander. That's, that's basically online slander. <laughs> so don't be those people. <laughs> but on the one side, it's building up. It's unifying. And on the other side, it's dividing. It made me think, and I think maybe Sean will, will help with this, but when I think of a body harming itself, I think of an autoimmune disease. I think how the body, there's something happening within the body that's causing it to attack itself. And that's exactly what's happening. It's, if you had to take it on a physical perspective, it's like the one leg kicking the other. And yes, it's funny, but it's not. Because this is what's happening, and God doesn't want that. He wants us to look at ourselves today. And today, the biggest desire in my heart from this sermon is that we don't look at the next person and say, yes, you were angry, and I see you holding bitterness in your heart. No. Reflect in your own heart right now. Reflect within yourself and say, God... Have I done this? And there's a whole lot of hows when we go through this because we're talking about Jesus. How did you get them to be united? How did you work on the inside? How, right now, do we achieve this? How do we achieve being at a space in our lives where we can put away the bitterness, putting away our old self? How do we do that? And let's read Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, because this isn't easy. But I believe that God has given us so much answers in his word. And the scripture says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by the joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. 
And when you read the scripture, that whole first part of it, you think, oh, that's not for me. Those are just for the yakus, those guys that are in full-time ministry, the pastors, the apostles, the teachers, those people. So I don't need to worry about the scripture, right? But in the scripture, it speaks about saints. Who are the saints? No, not that guy. Who are the saints? Someone scream it out. Exactly. So God has given us the fivefold ministry, which is the apostles and all of those people. <laughs> but it's not, they are not there just to organize church on a Sunday and for us to have this cool Sunday service and to leave and we go into planning for the next week again. God didn't give that. He didn't give the fivefold ministry for that. He's given us the fivefold ministry to serve the church to help it grow, to help with maturity. So it says here to equip the saints to minister. We've all agreed, and I think everyone agreed because I heard it quite loud, that we are the saints, right? So that means we need to minister then, right? Because we're equipping the saints to do what? Don't be so shy. Come on. We are equipped to minister. And this is... This can be overwhelming. It can feel like, okay, what's happening? What is this? How do I minister? How can I do that? And I think for us as a church, every nation, we've really felt this scripture on our heart on how do we equip the saints to minister? How do we get people into maturity? That when the waves come tossing you to and fro, that you are anchored deeply in Christ. And if you look around you, you'll see there's banners here. And as a church, we have this thing called the growth path. And I know some of you will be like, oh, not that thing. And let's be honest. Sometimes we feel that way. But it's because we don't understand why it's there. And when I look at this growth path and I see, sometimes we can approach it in a way where it's like this. Okay, I need to join the band, so I need to do victory training. So I'll do victory training. Tick. I need to know maybe what this church is about, how they spend their money. So I'll do spiritual family. Tick. Never in those thoughts, or sometimes, we don't think of it in the space that this is actually biblical. This actually comes a lot from the scripture. Because when I look at the, the growth part and I think of its purpose, its purpose is to mature us. Its purpose is to unite us. Its purpose is that we have strong foundations in our lives. And like I said, so when the winds come or there's, there's people coming with these cunning schemes, as the scripture says, there's doctrines that you haven't heard of, you don't have to fall for those things because there's something in place that's helping you. It's there to equip the saints to minister. It's there to help the body grow. You see, it's in these spaces that you can also be vulnerable. In these spaces that you can be open. In these spaces you are able to, be, to speak the truth with love. You see, the enemy's biggest lie right now to you is that you can do it on your own. I'll get through this by myself. And when I'm fine, I'll come into the body. 
Let me fix myself first, and then I'll get there. But that's a lie. Because as we've read and as we've been learning, that God calls us to be in Him and to be in the body. And today, you might be sitting here, and you might be in this space where I don't understand what all of this is, and it's okay. Because this growth part that you see right here, and I'm going to refrain from calling it what it is, just so you understand that there's a heart behind it. That there's a desire that there needs to come a desire in your heart, in our heart as believers. I want to be equipped to minister. I want to be mature. I want to have strong foundations. I want to be in Christ. I want to be in the body. And Jeeves, if you can maybe come up, and I want you to close your eyes, because I want you to reflect on this. We've spoke about being in Christ, being in the body, and having a space where the body can grow. Have you truly committed to be in Christ? You see, if you haven't committed to be in Christ, being in the body won't matter to you. Being in the body will feel just like one of those things I really don't care about because I'm not in Christ. And if you are here right now, and that's you, I want you to just not raise your hand up yet. Don't respond yet. And take note of this. If you've not committed to be in Christ, just know that if that's you, keep that hand with you for now. And the second thing is, have you committed to the body? You might be here today and you said, yes, I'm committed to Christ. I read my Bible every day. I have my quiet time with Him. I grow. I want to grow in God and I'm growing in God every day. But remember, outside of the body, we cannot fulfill our purpose. Church, the body is made of people. People are not perfect. People will hurt you. Which is why we need Jesus. It's the truth of why we need Him. It's because we are not perfect. And I know there's some of you here that you've been hurt by the body. And because you've been hurt by the body, you've chosen to almost cut yourself off from the body because of what the imperfect people, which we all are, have done to us. And the truth is, when Christ found us, when He found you, when He found me, I was not a good person and I'm still trying to get to where He wants me to be. there's some of us here today that you've not been hurt by the church you've not been in the space where someone's really hurt your heart you are just scared to be vulnerable 
And I love what Jamie said because I really believe that God wants to speak into this today. That if we are the body and we want to be so interdependent in each other and so close-knit together, we need to be vulnerable. I need to be able to open up to you. You need to be able to open up to your brother or your sister that sits next to you right now. And maybe tonight is that night where you confess to attacking the body. Where there's spaces in your life you need to be vulnerable right now to say, I've spoken against the body that's not built it up, but broken it down. I've spoken against my brother who sits here today, or my sister who sits here, or even me that stands here today. It's okay. But if we hold that in our heart, we are preventing the body from functioning the way that God wants it to. And this vulnerability isn't just for yourself, it's for us because we are interdependent like I said we are together we are added to this one body so I told you if you haven't committed to being in Christ keep your hand there but now if today is the day that you want to make a decision on the one side whether it's to follow Jesus You've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And with every eye closed, every head bowed, it's not a religious act. This is purely just to help people not feel uncomfortable in this moment. But if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, pick your hand up. And on the other side, you've made that decision to follow Jesus. You've chosen to follow Him you've never immersed yourself in Him. You've went to Him when you needed Him, but every other time you left Him aside. You put Him in that distance and said, God, I have enough to, to go for these three months. And when those three months are done or when the storms of life come, you run to God, where were you? And God is saying now, I don't want you to fill yourself with a little bit of me. I want you to be immersed in me. And if that's you today, I want you to pick your hand up. last thing is, have you committed to the body? Have you really committed yourself to being a part of the body? Today, you might be sitting here feeling like, okay, this is not my place to be. It's okay, but you need to commit to the body, whether it's here or it's somewhere else. And if you've not committed to the body and you feel that today is the day I need to commit not only to the body, but to commit to seeing it grow, won't you pick your hand up?
Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are here in our midst. And Father, that you know our hearts and you know, God, that when we come to you, Lord, you hear our cries and you're with us and you comfort us in those moments. And sometimes, Lord, when you speak truth into our lives, it can feel difficult. It can feel hard to swallow in those moments. But God, we thank you that you are still there with us. You still love us, Jesus. And we can feel your love embracing us throughout our lives. And Father, I just want to pray for every person that's responded right now. For those that have responded to being in you. Lord, not just coming to you when they need you. Those that have responded to not just getting doses of you, O oh God, but really wanting to be submerged in you, O oh God. Lord, I pray that you would help them on this journey. And God, that you would put them in a space where they are able to be surrounded by family that doesn't just break them down, doesn't want to tell them all the bad stuff that's happening in their life, but build them up, speaking truth with love so that they can grow, so that the body can grow. And I pray for those that want to be a part of your body, that they would find themselves fitting in and slotting in where you have called them to, O oh God. That you've given us all gifts, you've given us all these talents and all of these abilities to do things that we all don't have to be the same, Father, that you've called us for something unique. And I pray, God, that we will walk worthy in a manner that you've called us to walk, Father. That we don't have to feel like I need to compare myself to the next person because you've made me to function in a way that's different because that's the part of the body that you want me to be in, oh God. Lord, I pray that you will continuously convict our hearts. Convict our hearts that we will be eager to maintain the unity that you speak of, O oh God. Eager to maintain it. Eager to be able to be in the space where we trust you, that we can be a body that's functioning for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just quickly before, as Yaku comes up, you can come, you can come. We talk about being in the body and we talk about equipping the saints and all of these things. And we sometimes speak about practical things. And I think there's a few practical ways that you as a church or we as the church can be involved. So we ask if you've committed to the body and if you've been convicted today that you need to co commit yourself to the body, I think there's two big things for me. There's many other places that you can do it. But the first thing is, are you a part of a discipleship group? Because we'd love to be connected with you. And if you want to, and if that's a space that you want to get involved in or grow in, um, who's that info table? Is it Anya? Adele. You can speak to Adele. Is she waving there? Yeah, there she is. There she is. And the other space is that, I mean, if this is your home and this is your family, you don't let your mom wash the dishes all the time, guys. <laughs> you won't let your dad bry all the time. You want to help, right? So one important space where you can be involved in the body 
is to serve. If you are not serving somewhere and you want to serve somewhere, or you are serving somewhere and you want to serve somewhere else, please also speak to Adelia. She will point you to Adele. Sorry, my bad. I love you. <laughs> but there's highfelt.online that you can go to and you can see where's the places you can serve in. But if there's questions, you can speak to Adele, right? So, Yaku, you can. Come on, guys. Let's give Kylan a hand. If, if you've ever had to prepare a sermon, um, then you'll know reading through Ephesians 4 is quite a difficult task. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, we could spend a whole sermon series just on the last verse. Um, some things that were just highlighted for me, and I'll be very brief, um, that I think is just really important for us to ponder on, to not just like hear the word in the one ear and then let it go out the other ear. Um, when we speak about, when he spoke about the things that build up and the things that, that break down the pride, um, it's not just bad for the body, it's bad for you. That there's stuff that we allow in our lives that basically destroy us. Um, now, in my marriage with my wife, the things that causes the greatest division or heartbreak in our marriage is not stuff that happens outside of our four walls. It's insecurities in my own heart where she would ask a simple question and I would interpret it in 60 other ways, which none of them she meant, and then we would, it would we'd grow into a fight and then um, I'd have to say sorry. So that's normally how 80% of it goes, guys, all right? 80% of the times we are wrong. <laughs> the other 20%, <laughs> we hold on to them, there are victories. <laughs> but I mean, let's be honest, whom of you want to be insecure for the rest of your life? Whom of you want to be immature for the rest of your life? Whom of you want to make stupid decisions for the rest of your life that not only hurt people around you, but they hurt you? We don't want to stay there. Like if I give you the choice between, hey, do you want to be immature and insecure and push people away? Or do you want to mature and be secure and actually be an attractive personality? Whom of you would run to this side? All right? All of us. But stay seated. Um, but... What Kylan spoke about tonight gives us the blueprint. First, you've got to be added into Christ because there's no way that you can fix yourself. You cannot give yourself open heart surgery. You need a surgeon. You need a savior. But then the savior adds you to his body. There's no way for you to be healthy and functioning apart from being added to the body of Christ. And then I made some notes. I listened. What is my role? So I'm speaking now as the leader of this service. What is my role? It's to equip the saints, all right? Saints are you. What is your role as the church? What's your role? It's to embrace the equipping. For what purpose? Maturity, to grow up, and then to grow up in Christ, the Scripture says, but then it says that it makes the body grow. And then if we reflect back on Ephesians 3, what happens when the body is healthy and functioning? It's the intent that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God be made known. Friends, that's what it's, what's at stake. For you and us, for you and me to, to sit here is to say, God, am I allowing myself to be equipped? Am I embracing the body where you've placed me? And maybe for some of you, you need to stop church hopping. It's start, time for you to root. And if it's not this church, but be rooted. It's, um, you cannot hop from one place to another and expect to grow and to flourish. You need to be planted somewhere. And if this is where you've been planted, will you trust us 
to embrace what God has called us to do so that you can flourish in what God has called you to do and us, His body, to walk in. Um, So, Kylan, thank you again. Really well done on Ephesians 4.